John, unfortunately, we don't have a code for there's a man in my closet with a gun to my daughter's head. Although we obviously should. Saeed, you had a pack with him. I want her to retrieve it. Okay. But you should know, John, my daughter currently hates me. So I'm not sure holding me hostage is your best option. Hello, everyone. Matt here, and welcome to Looking Back at Lost where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 313, entitled The Man from Tallahassee. This is the 62nd hour of the series, and there are 59 to go. So with that, let's jump straight into the Wikipedia summary, which starts us in flashbacks, where, after being abandoned by his girlfriend, Locke is suffering from depression and becomes reclusive. One day, a young man, Peter Talbert, comes to his door and reveals that Locke's father, con man Anthony Cooper, is trying to marry his mother under a false name. Locke later goes to a florist shop where his father goes with Peter's mother. Knowing Cooper wants only to marry women to take their money, Locke confronts him and warns Cooper to call off the wedding and end it or he will tell the woman the truth. Cooper reluctantly agrees. Later, Locke is approached by two detectives who tell him Peter is dead. Realizing that Peter's death was staged by Cooper, Locke goes to Cooper's condo and confronts him, but Cooper denies any involvement. Indeed, Cooper says that the woman was so devastated by her son's death that she has called off the wedding and assures Locke that he can call Peter's mother himself if he wants proof. Locke picks up the phone to call her when Cooper suddenly charges him and shoves him through the window. Locke plummets eight stories to the ground but survives. As Locke lies in a hospital bed, the two detectives inform him that his father has left to Mexico and has now disappeared. They leave uh, as a physiotherapist lifts Locke out of his bed and places him in his wheelchair for the first time. On the island, we are outside the other's compound with Locke, Saeed, and Kate, and Danielle, who of course are shocked to see Jack interacting in a friendly way with the others. Rousseau slips away, and the rest of the group sneaks into the compound. Kate enters Jack's house, and despite insisting that she will not leave without him, he refuses to go. The door bursts open, and two armed others apprehend her, bringing along a struggling Saeed. Meanwhile, Locke enters the house of Ben Linus. Locke wakes Ben up and threatens uh, him to reveal where the submarine is. They are interrupted, first by Ben's teenage daughter, Alex, whom Locke grabs and hides in the closet, and then by Tom and an unseen Richard, who tells Ben that they have captured Kate and Saeed, trying to rescue Jack. Ben tells Tom to separate the two and interrogate them, and for Richard to bring him the man from Tallahassee. As the two leave, Locke asks Alex to get Saeed's pack, and Ben concludes that he is doing so to destroy the other's submarine. Jack visits the apprehended Kate to tell her that he has made a deal with the others to let Jack go home while Alex gets Saeed's pack from him. As she leads Locke to the submarine, not knowing that her mother is watching from the bushes, Alex tells Locke that Ben is manipulating him, because he manipulates everyone. After Jack confronts Ben to let him release Jack's friends, after he leaves the island, Jack and Juliet are escorted to the dock. They run into Locke, walking down the dock. 
Jack asks what he's doing there, and Locke simply replies, I'm sorry, as the submarine explodes. Later, Locke has been locked in a room. Ben and Richard open the door, and Locke reveals that he knows Ben wanted him to blow up the sub. Ben reveals that he wanted to find a way to keep Jack from leaving the island, but did not know how to, but Locke solved this problem. Ben and Richard lead Locke down a hallway, and Ben tells him that, for whatever reason, Locke is in communion with the island. That makes Locke very, very important. Ben then shows that Locke's father is being held captive. With that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. A very, very good episode. Certainly uh, a solid one. And uh, one that, uh, you know, for all the fun of season two, this is an episode that in no way is guilty of um, taking your time, drawing out lots of mysteries. Um, it's, it's really a solid episode. And indeed, you get a sense of that from the uh, previously on Lock, <laughs> previously on Lost, which features Locke unable to walk, Dad stealing the kidney, of course, leading to the question, will Dad return tonight? Anyhow, the episode proper starts in flashback. How do we know that? Follow the hairline. It's, you follow Locke's hairline. That's how you know where you're at in the Locke chronology. There's a government worker determining Locke's disability pay. Locke is clearly angry at the world, his dad, and the government man. He's told his disability can be temporary, meaning depression. And at that point, the shocker of shockers happen. Locke stands up. Of course, we knew that already. We were following the hairline. He has more hair now than when we see him in the wheelchair, talking to Helen in Walkabout. Or at least porno Helen. By the way, great casting on the role of the government worker, uh, she's kind of vaguely fed up with her job, uh, but to be fair, Locke is clearly angry enough to be in the therapy that she says he has to be uh, undertaking in order to be considered disabled by his depression. The flashback ends with grizzled island Locke and others watching Jack play football with Tom and Juliet. And no, that's not a euphemism. Uh, there's also some great camera work selling not only the, the sneaking about done by our heroes, but the other, uh, other with a capital O, selling the other island story. Uh, ben being wheeled out, shaking hands with Jack. You know, a reminder, because it's been a, a number of episodes since we've seen Jack and been part of that story, a reminder that he said he was going to stay uh, in order to, uh, to see Ben patched up properly. And you know what else? There's also just some great acting uh, from our heroes as well. There's no real dialogue in the scene. Uh, they certainly sell the shock of Jack is happy and he's shaking hands with Ben. There is a, a pretty good hook to end the teaser act. Locke saying, this will be more difficult than we thought. No kidding. With that, we have the title card. Then Kate loading a gun while she verbally fights with Saeed. She wants to go in guns ablazing, and he wants to use discretion and restraint. Locke reminds us uh, that the first time he and we saw Jack after the crash, he was saving people. So perhaps, you know, Jack isn't brainwashed or, or whatever it is that uh, is Kate's theory. Uh, the scene ends with the line, if he wants saving, we'll help him out. Which is apropos indeed, because with that we cut to flashback Locke, who is angry, alone, and eating a TV dinner in the dark. The Lostpedia trivia, by the way, will mention that he apparently is watching uh, Expose in the dark, which is the best way to watch it. Uh, you know, angry, alone, grizzled, 
uh, you know, just generally upset, which we can look forward to next week. But back to this episode. Terry O'Quinn's acting here is just phenomenal. He can go from charismatic and wise on island to kind of his passive-aggressive lack of joie de vivre uh, in this scene. It's just, you know, it's a phenomenal acting transformation that he makes. His dinner, uh, of course, is interrupted by that mysterious Mr. Talbot, uh, who I believe I wrote down his name is Tom, but I don't think that's accurate. Let's take a quick little look here. Uh, Peter, Peter Talbot. Um, So the mysterious Peter Talbot, who has a story to tell Locke. And indeed, as that story is told, there's a nice little moment, a nice little touch of Locke making instant coffee. Now, no offense to the instant coffee drinkers out there, but I think it's safe to say certainly that in the last 20 years, the shine of that particular way to make coffee has faded. Uh, And to me, this is all the more to tell us how the shine has come off Locke's life. And just as there's people, certainly not myself, I'm not a coffee drinker, but as there's people now who will take great care, either going to their local coffee shop, Starbucks, what have you, and ordering, you know, this kind of particular and ornate way to have their coffee made just right for them, in front of them, uh, or the way at home you might have the such and such blend and, you know, the particular creamers that are flavored and whatnot. This is just Locke making instant coffee. The lack of care that he shows making his coffee is the lack of care that he shows in his life at this point. Anyhow, the whole uh, story that Talbot has to tell, it's one of a suspicious son who worries that his mother's new silver-haired foxy bow is bad news. And uh, basically says that since Locke gave this guy, Anthony Cooper, a kidney, how bad can he be, asks Talbot. Now, interesting, Locke does not go in for the kill. Uh, If he did, there would be no episode. So I guess that's a good choice on Locke's part. Certainly there'd be no flashback to the episode. Uh, But Locke uh, says that it was an anonymous donation. Definitely passive-aggressive indeed. Uh, We aren't through the credits yet, and clearly there's more afoot. And of course, how much will shock us to the tune of eight stories down. Back to the island. It's nighttime. And our heroes are sneaking about and watching Jack finally find himself alone. They sneak in army style. You know, there's these shots of them running to the tree and hiding behind it. And you go there. I'll go here around the back and all that. Um, I certainly found myself wondering if the others had cameras, had security cameras, much as they do in some of the other Dharma spots. Uh, I mean, I suppose you could say, well, you know, the different stations, you need to be monitoring the, the quality of work, or perhaps the others who put them in to monitor baddies that, you know, or, or uh, you know, other island visitors that they know will appear from time to time. But I don't know. There's, there's not even any discussion of, you know, well, I don't see any cameras, but whatever. With that, Kate sneaks into the house while Jack slowly plays away his sorrows on the piano. She, of course, seems to be gobsmacked at the notion that he's playing. Straining credibility a bit, perhaps. You know, I think that she certainly is one focused enough to stay in the mission. But uh, with that, they have a conversation. Hi. What are you doing here? I came to get you. Get out of here. Right now. Go. Jack. Kate, they're watching me. Get out of here! I'm not leaving you. Get out! Get out! Don't hurt her! Don't hurt her! Step back, Doc. Step back. Jack! Hold him still. Jack! Jack! 
Who else is with you? Jack. Just answer the question, Kate. Okay, one more time. Who else is with you? Nobody. Nobody else. It was just us. You know, it's a fun little scene. Kate's incapacitated emotionally. Saeed is kind of vaguely giving her the little eye to lie, uh, given that Locke hasn't been caught, of course. Uh, and Jack is kind of brokenheartedly trying to send her away for her own good. Speaking of Locke, the story shifts to Ben in his sickbed, uh, having a certain feeling that he isn't alone, uh, all with wondering Giacchino music in the background. Uh, it, of course, is Locke who's there, and Ben's dialogue takes us where we think we're headed, but as it turns out, we are not. Sean! Shh! Keep your voice down. All right. It's all right, Sean. You don't have to point the gun at me. I can tell you where Jack is. I'm not looking for Jack. I'm looking for the submarine. That's a great way uh, to end the act break. Uh, certainly that it, uh, you know, it, it sells this kind of mini mystery of why Locke has been along with this group. It's been pointed out that he is not, uh, you know, doesn't seem to have the same, uh, you know, dedication to finding Jack and whatnot. And after the act break, the tension only increases after A, Alex walks in on them, B, uh, Locke takes Alex at gunpoint to hide in the closet because, C, Tom comes in with news of Kate and Saeed being captured. Uh, at this point, there's standard exposition about how they found our heroes, uh, but it turns out from a masterful point of view shot from inside the closet, we're seeing things from Locke's point of view he can't quite see. Uh, there's not just the Kate and, uh, and Saeed have been captured, but there's a tad more. Richard, wait a minute. I'll wait outside. I want you to bring me the man from Tallahassee. What do you need him for? Just do it. Now. Okay. That's right. It's the return of Richard. Uh, somebody who is, I think, underused in this episode. But uh, I think it's just the show's way of kind of reintroducing the character, establishing him on island, and preparing to use him, certainly, in future uh, episodes. And, I mean, it's you know it's amazing to think that this guy... You know, you hear him mention Richard. Maybe you have a little moment where you go, oh, hey, isn't that the guy from uh, Not in Portland? Uh, if you recognize the actor, you actually might recognize the sound of his voice or his uh, his look. You know, I'm talking about first-time viewers here. Uh, I mean, it's just astonishing to think that we've gone, what, 62 episodes, and this is only the second one with uh, with Richard. I mean, somebody who... Gets his own just absolutely beautiful flashback uh, towards the end of the series. But anyhow, it's worth mentioning at this point that uh, this episode gives us kind of a case of follow the props as well. Locke wants what's in Saeed's pack, the C4, if you recall from last week. And Ben wants the mysterious man from Tallahassee. With that, we return to flashbacks where sullen, unshaved Locke wanders into a flower shop and grumpily stares at... <gasps> 
Anthony Cooper. It's great to see him back. Kevin Ty has such great gravitas and slime at the same time. And there Locke delivers his ultimatum. Break it off or else. Why? Because it isn't fair and because Cooper makes people, Locke, feel like he's part of their, meaning Locke's, family. This is Locke at his lowest and most selfish. He doesn't want to stop the old lady from being hurt or bankrupt, nor does he want justice to prevail with Anthony Cooper. He just wants his mean old dad to stop being so mean to everybody. And by everybody, Locke means him. Anyhow, flashback over. We go to a bed-bound Ben and his request uh, to get help uh, to get in his wheelchair. And why should Locke help? Because Locke, of all people, should know what it's like to want dignity, says Ben. Zing. And uh, indeed, all it takes is Locke walking across the room to get the chair, and Ben has figured it all out. What's in the pack, John? If you met me, Kyle, that means you were in the communication station. Which means you found the explosives. So you're not planning to pilot the submarine anywhere, are you? You're planning to destroy it. I know you, John Locke. You don't know me at all. I know you were born in California. I know you were raised in foster care. I know you wasted a big part of your life in Tustin, pushing papers at a company that manufactured industrial boxes. I know you spent the four years prior to your arrival in this island in a wheelchair. And I know how you ended up in it. Hey, at least Lost isn't drawing out every last mystery. Uh, of course, there's that old Hitchcock rule that it's better to, uh, for suspense, it's better to say that a bomb will go off in 10 minutes than it is to just actually blow up the bomb unexpectedly. Uh, of course, Hitchcock says that the real ch- trick is not to blow up the bomb at all. Now, I will admit, I initially, in, in this follow the, follow the prop notion, uh, upon rewatching, I did get a bit confused. I thought that the sub was not blown up because the sub returns at the end of the series, as we remember, you know, for purposes of Saeed and Sin and uh, Sin and John, Jin and Son in particular. That, of course, was Widmore's sub, and this is the uh, the uh, the others sub, the Dharma sub, uh, the Galaga. So. <laughs> I guess Hitchcock gets it both ways here, right? They they both blow up the bomb and, uh, you know, save blowing up the sub again for another time. It is interesting to mention, though, that it's Saeed C4 that blows up the episode, and then it's Saeed's sacrifice that gets the, the other sub towards the end of the series. I love, too, that the clip there ends with the tease, how Locke ended up in the wheelchair. How did he? Oh, foreshadowing, your answers come tonight. With that, the story moves to Kate, incapacitated in the other's rec room, when Tom comes in, and you know what? There is a genuine smile on his face. He tells someone behind the door, about to be revealed as Jack, to be careful in, uh, while in here, in the room, pointing to his ear and the ceiling, meaning the room is bugged. And was that nice of Tom to tip Jack off? What follows there is a standard exposition. They live here. The people that take are safe. Jack hasn't chosen a side. Kate didn't think Jack really meant for her not to return. 
It's a slightly pedestrian scene, although it's touching nonetheless. It also has the slight kind of shadow of, and I mean this in a positive way, but the shadow of broken Kate wanting what she can't have, as there's a perfectly good Sawyer available for her back at the beach, but it's, you know, it's best to go over Hill and Dale because this week she loves Jack. I know there was the bit where her and Sawyer, you know, had a disagreement right before they got back to camp, but, you know, if anything, that was just setting up an excuse for Kate to, uh, you know, now I don't like Sawyer for the next week. By week, I mean showtime, not uh, not episode to episode. Anyhow, Jack explains that he's helping them leave the island, that he sees it as a way to try and bring help back, uh, which certainly is interesting. You would think that Ben would um, Ben would be concerned about that. Now, maybe Ben has the confidence of how difficult it is to get back, which certainly is very difficult without knowledge of uh, of. Uh, of uh, that station uh, underneath the church. Um, And also, to be fair, you know, Ben is searching for a way to prevent Jack from leaving, which is why the sub ultimately gets blown up. But, you know, it seems like Ben made the... Well, you know what? I was going to say Ben made this promise without knowing how to solve it. Ben makes promises without having solutions and then finds solutions. That's what he does, so... And it works here, so... And anyhow, right at this point, there's about to be a heartfelt smooch... But Juliet, Juliet interrupts, hurrying things along. And not before Jack whispers, I will come back here for you. It's slightly saccharine, but it's also from the heart. Perhaps from the groin. But anyhow, it's, it's not entirely misplaced. And at any rate, the act ends and we return to flashbacks. Two detectives are wondering why Locke spoke with Peter Talbert, who coincidentally is an heir to a rich fortune, who is now... <gasps> Dead! Clearly, Anthony Cooper has done the deed. At least it's clear to us. And clearly we know that there's more flashback story afoot. And speaking of being afoot, in Othersville, flashback having ended, Ben is needling Locke about having his back broken uh, and that it was fixed as soon as he woke up from the crash. It's at this point that Locke outthinks Ben, a rare feat. Why is Ben not walking? Why is Ben not healed? Why did Ben get sick at all? Ben tries to out-needle him by saying, does Locke want to stay on the island so he'll continue to walk? This, of course, rings hollow. Locke could just stay and, you know, hide out if rescue does come. Uh, and certainly blowing, the, blowing up the sub, which never takes crash survivors home, right? It's only for others. Uh, that won't make his stay, Locke's stay, any more likely. Uh, or having the sub there won't make it stay any more likely, that is to say. With that, we cut to Saeed, chained to the playground, and uh, Alex rather easily getting his pack. But the real emotional weight is what Saeed says. You're Alex, aren't you? Hey, can it? How do you know my name? Because you look like your mother. My mother's dead. I'm sure that's what they told you. Get going, Alex. Certainly another crack in the armor there as Alex sees it. Certainly it's a nice little touch given that Saeed has. Keep your mouth shut. Aside from not keeping his mouth shut, Saeed, of course, has uh, has a link to Danielle that others do not. Uh, Others uh, hearing small, here being small O people on uh, on the beach but 
it's nice that kind of Saeed, he's not carrying Danielle's torch, but he's he's doing the right thing as Saeed is off to do. With that, the story takes us back into Ben's house. There's a lovely little joke about how Othersville is being powered by two giant hamsters in a secret underground lair. The crux of the scene is Ben's explanation that the sub is a symbol for the ability to leave, uh, despite the fact that Ben won't let people leave. And then with that, Ben gives the great J.J. Abrams metaphor. Picture a box. You know something about boxes, don't you, John? What if I told you that somewhere on this island, there's a very large box... And whatever you imagined, whatever you wanted to be in it, when you opened that box, there it would be. What would you say about that, John? I'd say I hope that box is big enough to imagine yourself up a new submarine. Now, if you haven't seen the J.J. Abrams TED Talk, certainly recommend it. You can find it on the, the TED website, which is ted.org or ted.com. Also, it's undoubtedly on YouTube if you just search for J.J. Abrams' TED Talk. Uh, he talks a little bit about creating uh, fiction for TV and movies, and basically his whole take is the magic box, which is there's got to be some sort of mystery, and the joy is uh, taking the time to wonder what the mystery is and ponder the mystery and make your way to the box. The joy is not... Uh, the objective to to actually what's inside. Um, I think JJ has had success on varying levels with this. Certainly, Lost Lost was designed that way. Uh, you know, the idea of well, we really don't know what these mysteries are. Uh, let's just shoot some crazy stuff and fill it in as we go. Uh, it's worked there. I think some of his other stuff, like you know, Super Eight, it falls a bit. Hollow because the whole thing is about the journey and wondering what the mystery is and pondering the mystery and finding those little details about the mystery. Then we actually get to the mystery. It's not a huge, a huge thing. But there you go. That certainly is what they're referencing there. They're they're certainly, you know, tooting the horn of J.J. Abrams, who, uh, who you know, at this point is uh, of the show is, is has minimal involvement. They're probably what ramping up for Star Trek at this point, but. Um, Certainly, to the degree that he's a guiding factor on the show, this was their little nod to the J.J. view of the world and the magic box. And indeed, the scene is capped by Locke affirming that he knows the island better than Ben. Why? Because Ben is in the wheelchair and Locke is not. Boom, the act ends. After the break, Alex returns with the pack. It's interesting that the episode continues to kind of clearly foreshadow and clearly give explanation. Uh, Locke demands that Alex take him, Locke, to the sub. Further, Ben explains that the hatch explosion will prevent the sub from returning. It's kind of very clear here. There's This is you know a payoff episode, ironically. We're halfway through the season, uh, almost exactly. It's, you know, it's probably a 24 or 25 uh, episode season. Let's take a look here. Through the Looking Glass is a two-parter, so it's 23 episodes. Here we are at episode 13, so you know, close enough for halfway. And, um, you know, there's kind of some, you know, a bunch of mini payoffs here. Um, anyhow, uh, at, at this point, we go to uh, the head of the sub dock. Locke thanks Alex, who walks off, but not before we see Danielle watching her daughter from the brush. It's a lovely moment that reminds us of hope and love and family. Although it's a bit 
put off by the the bit of sweat or tear on Danielle's upper lip that actually makes it look like she has a runny nose. Which I know happens when you cry, but when's the last time you saw a TV or movie crying scene and there were, you know, snotses coming out of the nose? So, a bit of a mistake there. I, I expected it sweat, but anyhow. With that, lock tiptoes to the sub. Uh, which is always a, a it's you know it's always a great set that they use for the sub. I, I think the trivia says it actually was a uh, a battleship or it was a real sub. At any rate, it was you know it looked real because it was. Uh, it's also wonderfully lit. There's lots of kind of amber, blue, and red lights to give what I'm sure is a rather plain paint job some kind of life. Particularly since the paint job I'm sure was authentic and it's just kind of that gunmetal gray. Uh, with that, we cut to Ben's cleaning up in the kitchen. And then Jack and Juliet appear. Jack wants his friends to be set free, otherwise Jack will not leave. Jack very wisely, by the way, hears Ben say, I see no reason to keep them here, and knows that that isn't a commitment. Then just outright asks Ben for his word. Juliet thanks Ben for keeping his promise. And of course, all the while, we know that Ben is letting Locke do his dirty work and resolve the sub-issue to a dramatic effect. Uh, which, of course, comes to a head when Locke wanders away from the sub just as Jack and company arrive. Hey, hold it right there. Get your hands up. Get down. I said get down. What are you doing here, John? I'm sorry, Jack. Sorry for what? The irony here, of course, is that Locke is taking control of his life as he sees fit. Now, what's the irony there? Because we're about to head into the flashback scene that we've been waiting for all this, all this super long time. Think about what you're saying. Why would I kill Peter? He was on to you! John, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm not sweating some rich kid. Then why are you still here? What do you mean? I tell you to leave. You tell me you're going to leave town. Why are you still here? Listen, John. I'll be honest with you. I didn't end it. I was looking for an angle. I wanted to make some money before I skipped out. But then all this happened. Peter died and everything just went straight into the tank. She's devastated. She's called off the wedding. There's no profit in it, John. I'm a con man, not a murderer. She called off the wedding. She said she couldn't deal with it. She needs to be alone. So if I were to call her right now, that's what she would tell me. Phone's right over there, John. What's her number? You know, I can still remember what it was like to see that scene for the first time. It really was just terribly, terribly shocking. I don't think any of us thought that he fell that distance. 
uh, you know, that it was a car crash or you hit with a crowbar in the back. That's what we were expecting. I think you walk into this fight, you look at the time, how far you are into the episode. It's about maybe 37 minutes, 35 minutes into the episode. And you say, okay, well, this is where he's going to get it. It's going to be a fireplace poker to the back. And you're going to hear a crunch and him fall and Anthony Cooper step over him and say, I'm sorry, son. You know, that's what you expected. Just, oh, my goodness, what a what a scene. Uh, and if, for those of us in the know, by the way, there are little clues leading up to that. Cooper pouring the McCutcheon whiskey, just never a good sign, uh, to strengthen his resolve, his hands shaking just a tad with each pour. The show uh, wisely cuts to black uh, for a split second, and then after uh, back, a split second after Locke lands, uh, and then cuts to the hospital where he is broken, bloodied, angry, and depressed. Come to think of it, that might be an act break there. I'm not quite sure. I suppose it, the, the timing of it would be right, but I don't, for some reason I don't think it is. But anyhow, we see this broken, bloodied, angry man. The walkabout Locke has returned. There's a nice little moment, too, where he's put into the wheelchair for the first time uh, from the hospital worker who reminds him uh, not to tell him what he can't do. Um, and the camera work is really excellent, too. It's a Jack Bender-directed episode. Uh, Locke picks up the shaky... Or as Locke is picked up, rather, there's a shaky shot uh, kind of resembling or, or not resembling, communicating his newfound chaos. With that in his chair, he's left alone for a moment, and he slides into a quiet cry. Flashback over. Locke wakes up in a holding room, looking quite a bit like the gun locker hatch, by the way. Uh, ben and an unseen other come in. Of course, uh, he's being wheeled in, Ben is, so that's all the more reason not to see this unseen other. Locke accuses Ben of wanting the sub-explosion to happen. And of course, who's this unseen other? Richard, who is asked to uncuff Locke. Again, it's amazing to see uh, Richard so underused, although, of course, clearly the show has a plan for him, uh, and we'll talk at some point, I guess it's beginning of season four, he's not in it where they would have liked him to be because he got uh, the show, was it Kane? He got a show on CBS, uh, he was one of, the, one of the leads, and the strike came along and the show didn't have enough ratings to come back, and thus Richard is with us. I think that when Richard comes back, it was something like, you know, they sign him to some sort of perpetual guest star thing for the rest of the season, and then seasons five and six, they don't dare lose him, so he's a member of the cast, but anyhow, it's at this point that Ben is given just another fantastic monologue that just cries out to be played uncut. There I was, shaking hands with Jack, and thinking I'd give almost anything to come up with a way to stop him from leaving, because to let him go would be a sign of weakness, of failure, of defeat. People would see that. They would know it. And that, John, would be the end of me. But to kill him, that would be cheating. Because my people also heard me make a promise. And to break my word, that would be the end of me, too. And then you came striding out of the jungle, John, to make my dream come true. You're not going to start talking about the magic box again, are you? You know, the whole conversation there, it's kind of rather on the cuff. Uh, we could have figured it all out, but you know what? As always, 
Michael Emerson's delivery is perfect. It's spot on perfect. He takes exposition and just turns it into joy. Uh, and then promises, of course, to then show what came out of the magic box that you heard Locke there reference at the end. If at this point you're watching the episode, there's a quick peek at the clock. And with two minutes left, we're clearly in for a good zinger or two. Ben does some prognostication. Locke wanted to destroy the sub to avoid his mean, hurting father, which, of course, is another example of uh, foreshadowing in the episode. Uh, Ben wants to help him because, he admits, Locke does have some communion with the island. Then, Ben opens the box. There's fantastic camera work here. Richard opens the door right up to the camera, causing the screen to go black. Uh, And there's... You know, there's kind of a a hidden cut in that blackness. We then cut to the blackness, which leads to the door being opened away from us. Uh, Just say, you know, we start for that shot. We start in black and then end up seeing Locke's face. The reveal, of course, is Anthony Cooper, who looks truly scared for the first time. Dad? It's, you know, this is an episode that's fun. There's a lot of fun to it. It's not quite as fun as, you know, it's not kind of a, of a jokey fun, but this is a, this is an episode where you're getting a lot of answers, and it's really nice that they end the episode with that same sense, where you know where things are headed next week. You know there's going to be scenes between the two of them. You know Cooper's going to be scared, so on and so forth. It really, really is nice. And just, I mean, just spot on good stuff. Uh, great way to end it. Great, great way to end it in what is a fantastic episode. Of course, though, we are not done. Let's take a look at uh, Lostpedia to see what little bits and pieces I might have missed. First up, we have this little fun fact here uh, that uh, the lock falls into a palm garden that is actually an octagon. So there you go. Don't know if that was planned, but that's a good bonus. Uh, when uh, Locke confronts his father about Peter Talbert's death, a picture with the word Apollo can be seen behind Anthony Cooper, possibly the Apollo Theater in New York. Obviously, you know, another little reference there to Apollo candy bars. Here's an interesting tidbit. I don't quite know what to make of it other than kind of the obvious behind-the-scenes answer, but the piano Jack plays appears to be the same uh, Kaiwai once owned by Charlie. So what they did was they needed a piano, went to their little prop storage area and pulled out the same piano. But that certainly is interesting. Uh, Lostpedia also says this episode drops several hints about the next episode, the glorious expose. Glorious because of its ending. Uh, Locke watches expose on television, and there's an ad for Colt 45 that appears in the background, featuring, of course, Billy D. Williams. Uh, last but not least, uh, Lostpedia says this episode marks the first time on screen in which Locke and Richard Alpert have met. However, it is not the first time chronologically that they have met, which we will see in future episodes, Cabin Fever and Jughead. Uh, last little bit here from Lostpedia. At one point, this episode was titled Last Man Standing. Um, eh, that's kind of weak. It's kind of silly. Um, last but not least, there's a thing here where Lostpedia is complaining about a continuity error when they open up the fridge the top shelf is filled with food but when they do the reverse shot which is the standard point of view shot where the camera's inside the fridge 
Well, there's not food anymore on the top shelf. You know why? So we can see them. Like, okay, fine, it's a continuity error. But guess what? It would look really weird to have nothing on the top shelf and the everything else loaded up. And, you know, it is what it, it, is, what it is. To me, that's it's not a continuity error as much as a reality. Anyhow, last little bit of trivia here. This one from Wikipedia. Uh, it says that the submarine was... Uh, mostly made uh was mostly a prop made of painted styrofoam over steel structure this is the above water uh uh um submarine the interior was shot inside the ss 287 at the arizona memorial that by the way is the uh, uss bowfin a balao class submarine that i believe saw action in yes saw action in uh, uh world war ii uh in the beginning and then had this kind of long uh, you know, decommissioned, recommissioned type deal as uh, Korea heated up in Vietnam and training and all that. So, on that fantastic note, super interesting, I'm sure, to hear a discussion about uh, about uh, the history of real life submarines used in the show. Next week, the glorious episode, the episode that truly, I think this this is an episode that reminds us of when Lost was made at a time where feedback was so immediate. You can go on Twitter or blogs or or uh, what have you, message boards, moments after an episode has ended and start to get feedback. And a day later, two days later, you can get feedback. So what is this feedback? This is expose. This is the decision to kill off Nikki and Paolo. And... Ah, it's glory. It's not a great episode, but it's worth it. It's kind of like the childbirth of episodes. It's worth it in the end. Of course, this is. This leaves us with two less people, whereas childbirth is usually the opposite, but it's stuff. So, tune in next week for 314 uh, Expose. And share feedback. I'm on Twitter, Looking Back Lost. Listener line, 732-707-1815. Email, lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. The website, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode, The Man from Tallahassee. See you all again next week for Expose. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Yellow submarine, yellow submarine.